right, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Gaucho Amigos. I'm Alex. Today, my guest is Barney Hurley. He is the force behind one of my absolute favorite Twitter accounts and uh, an essential engine of uh, what is referred to as Steely Dan Twitter. For the past few years, Barney has been tweeting out his incredible collection of 1970s and 80s photographs of classic pop and rock musicians. Uh, the photographs have been kind of beautifully remastered and touched up to look fresh. And uh, when Barney's posts come through, you know, it's the ultimate timeline refresh. And uh, the band he posts by far the most often is uh, Steely Dan. Uh, his account is a major source of inspiration for people to riff on. And just a great historical document of this band. You know, Barney has in his possession seemingly infinite archival images of uh, Donald and Walter, uh, as well as all of the other band members and session guys that I hadn't seen before, uh, for the most part. And uh, it's honestly probably one of the greatest archives of Steely Dan that exists. And, you know, Barney himself was kind of an enigma to me. I had been wondering for years, uh, who is this guy? And uh, where did he get all these amazing photos from? So, you know, I had it in the back of my mind that he was someone I would uh, like to talk to for this podcast. And then by coincidence, we were both recently interviewed for this new Steely Dan edition of the Ultimate Music Guide uh, from Uncut. Uh, I've posted about that. You can buy it now, uh, either in print or digital. Um, and anyway, I got connected to him through that and uh, we met on Zoom and we hashed it out. And uh, it was great to finally meet the man behind a Twitter account that has brought myself and uh, others uh, in the Steely Dan Twitter community a lot of joy over the years. Now, that song you heard at the intro uh, was by Barney's uh, band, Samuel Purdy. They were uh, kind of like Steely Dan in that they were a songwriting duo who used a lot of session musicians. And uh, obviously, there's some overlap in terms of the kind of sound and aesthetic. Uh, it also reminds me a lot of Michael McDonald, uh, Doobie Brothers, um, and just kind of classic yacht rock in general. Uh, but that song you heard at the beginning, that was called Whatever I Do. It's from their uh, lone album, Musically Adrift, which came out in 1999. Uh, and I put a link uh, to it in the uh, podcast episode description uh, to the band camp. So check that out. Uh, Barney also released a song called Container Zero under the moniker uh, Powder Blue Tux. Uh, I also play that song uh, in the episode. And it actually features uh, some of the Steely Dan uh, crew, uh, Michael Leonard. Uh, and Walt Weisskopf, uh, and I believe uh, Jay Graydon plays the solo on that. So, you know, Barney is not just a, uh, a fan of Steely Dan, but he's actually gotten the chance to, you know, work with some of the people uh, associated with the band. So, anyway, uh, without further ado, this is my conversation with Barney Hurley. Enjoy. I lived in Manhattan from January 1990 to August 
2003 and I picked up a lot of vintage music magazines from thrift stores, which were really cool then, especially for vinyl, because yeah. that was exactly the same point uh, when everyone was getting rid of their vinyl collection. It was just everyone was replacing it with CDs. So you'd go into these thrift stores and they'd just be, you know, 50 cents each, just vinyl everywhere. Obviously, you had to sift through shit. <laughs> But I had to get it shipped back to the UK. I bought so much. And also the Sunday morning markets. There was a 77th in Columbus. There was a Fulton Street market. There were some really good Sunday markets. And um, yeah, I picked up so much cool stuff. But a lot of vintage uh, music magazines. So I'll, I'll cut out a cool shot put it through Photoshop, post it, and then I notice it's on, like, Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> I'm fucking hell. Well, I, you know, I didn't take the picture, you know, so, you know, but but they, they, they tend to regurgitate and turn up all over the place now. Once they're out there on the net, they kind of get disseminated all over the place. So That started during lockdown. <laughs> And um, I was so bored that I just started going through all these vintage magazines and being really anal and putting them through Photoshop, <laughs> getting them as perfect as possible. And also in this current climate, especially on Twitter, I'm just too old for that shit. I, I just do something for people, like-minded people, you know, that will that will enjoy, you know, pictures of michael mcdonald pulling a funny face you know or whatever yeah well um you know i have uh gotten a lot of joy out of your account and i know a lot of the um the steely dan twitter community has as well because in terms of the vault that you've kind of uh you know used you know to post on twitter i feel like kind of the there's a universe there and i feel mm. like uh, the center of that universe is kind of Steely Dan and everything kind of radiates outward from there. So you have, I feel like the band that you post the most of is Steely Dan and then all the kind of different session guys and people that they collaborated with. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that It's mainly Steely yeah. Dan. As a huge McDonald era Doobies fan, there's a hell of a lot of Doobies. And, um, and, yeah, I'd say probably third would be Earth, Wind & Fire. I'm a massive Earth, Wind & Fire fan. And Tower of Power. There's a lot of stuff on there, but if you actually look through them all, probably about 80% would be Steely related. I'd say that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we have really similar music tastes because my favorite band is Steely Dan, but then I love uh, all these kind of bands that you post that are, in my opinion, adjacent to steely dan whether they actually you know played with them or not so i know you post you know i see guys like um you know elliot randall larry carlton bernard purdy I've, I've, i know elliot i've worked with him a few times and yeah yeah but then also like stevie wonder earth wind and fire todd rundgren oh, i see yeah. you post a lot they're they're adjacent to steely dan you know they're playing they're, music they're all just fucking awesome yeah. 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 I mean, that's the music I love too. So you, you kind of hit at this really uh, sweet spot for me. And there's, 
you know, I, I try to keep things, I try to keep things focused on Steely for the account, but I love, you know, like, um, you posted this amazing uh, photo of Stanley Clark kind of hanging out in his backyard and he's wearing a Phillies hat and this sort of colorful. Oh yeah. That, that, that was, I took a long time <laughs> photoshopping that bad boy. That was in musician magazine, 1979. I put that up the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I took ages photoshopping that. I've got a friend who's yeah. uh, two friends that are, um, graphic designers and they introduced me to photoshop ages ago so i've become a bit of a master you you know in weird magazines like <laughs> producer and engineer yeah. magazine all these kind of like odds magazines with a hell of a lot of type and not many pictures you just get this little amazing yeah. shot and you just think oh fuck you know what can I do with this? You know, so I spent like four hours, you know, trying to tide it up, uh, especially yeah. those ones. I think during the um, Katie Lyde sessions, like that, like those, that th those. I don't know where they came from. I don't know who took them, and because I buy a lot of negatives on uh, eBay, and if it hasn't got uh, well, like, like for instance, um, uh, um, not Henry Diltz, but another of the LA famed um, Laurel Canyon photographers. I contacted him, and he just said, oh, "You can have them." And he oh, wow. gave me a whole. Th there's one with Steely Dan sitting in Fagan's uh, living room. Early Steely Dan, yeah, and um, <clears throat> and he also gave me some ones uh, of them in the real building pre Steely Dan, but he's dead now. Oh, he is. Okay. So, um, so they're my. <laughs> he said, "Do what you want with them." Oh wow! But some photographers. There's one guy in particular. They charge like there's one really nice photo, and and I thought I'd really like you know that yeah on my uh, in my office wall, and um he charged like eight hundred bucks for like a photo just a photo size thing, yeah. you know, and it's like well you know it's just a photo, dude. You know, it's going to be in my living room. You know, it's not like. It's going to be in my office. I'm, I'm not. It's not going to be on a documentary. I actually had a fist fight at school over Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah, they inspire you know, strong saying, feelings. No, they're not. They're, they're not shit. Don't use the word shit. 
when you refer to Steely Dan, you might not like them, yeah. but those records are seminal. And this guy was a Doors fan, and I okay. fucking hate Doors. Yeah, yeah, I don't kill anyone. So I fucking I, Jim Morrison. I can't sing. Drummer was good. Yeah, uh, maybe about having a fight. You know, <laughs> you know, like. Like, like I've learned because uh, yeah, I'm 51 now. I've learned now that when someone s- says they don't like Steely Dan, I just think, well, you just haven't listened to them enough because you're basically saying, I don't like melody, I don't like harmony, I don't like wonderful musicianship, I don't like crisp production. You're basically like saying, I don't like amazing songs, yeah, <laughs> and musicians that don't like Steely Dan. As a musician myself, I fucking hate them. I just say, look, it's because when you listen to a Steely Dan record, especially guitarists, you think, I could, what the fuck is he playing? <laughs> I could never, it, what, yeah, I don't even know what chord that is. You're just jealous, mm. you know. I see Steely yeah. Dan as a genre within itself. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and I'm not, you know, I love the band. I love Little Feet. You know, there's there's so many other ba- you know bands that I love. You know, yeah. and 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 passionate about. But I can't think of another band that have never done a Duff song, <laughs> even 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 songs like that Becker and Fagan hate, like Through with Buzz. I'll take that shit in a second. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love it. Yeah, but. but because it um it's kind of yeah it's jazz it's blues it's r&b it's rock and and it as a musician it, it it's just so complex it, it you know it's so complex yeah and um how they manage to cross over especially Asia, because that, uh, I, I, I read in an interview with Tom Scott that he was really surprised that that album, you know, really, that was their first platinum album. I, I, when I lived in the States, people were saying, do you realise how big Asia was? And I'm like, yeah, I live in England. It's pretty big here too. I think it was number two in the charts in England. Um, but I see them as a, a genre within themselves, and I can't think of any other band that, that, that I can say that about, you know, because because uh, I there's no other band that soothes my soul <laughs> like Steely Dan. You know, if I if I feel down, I put on Deacon Blues, you know, which is. Quite a tragic song in a way, but it, but it, but but that that pseudo lux, as Fagan puts it, that 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 phony emotion that he puts in his his vocal performance, right. I buy it every time. You know, I I, yeah. I buy it. You know, well, he's it's... kind of doing a performance, but I think even beneath that, there's there's a soul and a, a beating heart that kind of makes it all come together. And yeah, I think that's yeah. I, well, I, I think I think that I remember. Well, I took a couple of years off music and ran a clothing store in Carnaby Street in London 
only for a year and um uh it was it was um guns and roses tour manager came in and uh because we did these joke t-shirts with nuns and moses uh and evidently uh axel whatever his name is thought it was really funny so he came in he said i want every black xl and xxl and i had asia on at the time and uh and he was like oh I, you know fucking love steely dan saw him at the hollywood bowl last year and this was just when um everything must go came out and i got an advanced copy of that and i said oh do you want to check out their new album and he was like no nah, really. <laughs> really and um I I um I I'm a I'm a big fan of both of those albums because mm. I think that as a 51 year old um they're not going to make countdown to ecstasy again are they you know they sounded like mature albums that middle aged men would would write and and I and I know and I know everyone um like there's still things online now like shocking Grammy moments. It's like fuck off. Steely Dan were up for the album of the year in for Asia, Gaucho, Kamakiri was up for album of the year, Ricky Don't Lose That Number was up for Song of the Year, Kamakiri was up for album of the year. FM was up for song of the year. They deserve a fucking Grammy. And if it and if it makes a cunt like Eminem angry, <laughs> I'm all for it. You know, like if Beck could won, because I thought Midnight Vultures was a really good album. Yeah. So I was thinking I, I I'm cool with, with Beck winning. Radiohead I love, but and they, but they've won one already. So so you know. You know, but Beck, I thought if Beck wins, you know, I'll be happy. But Steely winning, you know, it, it was literally that that was pre-broad band internet because my I was I was checking my internet in the morning and a friend called me and goes, They did it, they fucking did it. <laughs> I was going, well, one, yeah, it's just like fucking hell. I was just honestly, it was it was like it was just like like my local football team. Brighton and Hove Albion, the FA Cup is like the Super Bowl of, of of soccer, as you call it. And we were in the um the semi-finals. So my home city are in the semi-finals of the Super Bowl, you know, and, and we lost on penalties. Uh -huh. But it was exactly the same feeling when Steely Dan won the Grammy. Because no, because when it when it was in the press, friends of mine were saying it's a good album, but they're not going to win. I was going, they are <laughs> because because the people that vote are people that have won Grammys before, mm. and and they're going to know that it's the best album. Yeah, you know, like nobody's going to vote for Eminem because he was behaving like a dick. <laughs> well it's also the grammy voters you're right who are they going to vote for and i did i do feel like it was a little bit of a lifetime achievement because i think 
Yeah, they yeah, never exactly. nominated. They, they deserved it for Asia and Gaucho yeah. Nightfly. That that yeah. you know, to- like, I, I like Toto for good album, but the knife is a lot better. I mean, I agree. <laughs> but then if you if you watch, I've got that Grammys on DVD. Donald Fagan's there with his then girlfriend, and he's really looking like, please, I don't want to win. You have that clip. <laughs> Uh, I've got it on on DVD. You should upload it because I haven't seen that on the internet somewhere. So it would be great to have that. uh, I I, I did post a um, a screen grab of him when he goes to the night fly. Donald Fagan, (laughs) yes, you know Donald Fagan's here. Just like oh fuck, (laughs) because. I, I, I think he only turned up then because Gary Katz probably said, come on, you know, this is my chance. I could win producer of the year. But I think I read a thing in Music Week with Irvin Azoff saying that he said to them, you're going to be doing that. that, that evidently Fagan and said, I do let them, but that's it. And he said, no, you'll do what I fucking tell you to do. <laughs> this isn't, I've just, do you know how much that album cost? I don't to know. Seven and a half million. Yeah, that's. It took yeah. three years, seven and a half million. So they had quite and an investment. It, it in was that. the most expensive album of all time until Michael Jackson made one, which was about eight something million. But I mean, Azov said, you've just spent seven and a half million of my money because it was on giant records his label at the time and he said if you get asked to do the today show you're fucking doing the today show and i laughed at that and then they ended up doing the today show they did yeah there's a there that is actually on the internet and it's a it's fun to see them playing and uh, yeah 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 with all the skyscrapers around them and the kind of katie Katie Couric is that her name Katie and uh, Al Roker's there, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great little time capsule of, uh, I guess, pre nine eleven New York. Because I don't know if they would do that event now. <laughs> and we are kicking off the fifth year of our summer concert series with the incomparable Steely Dan. It's been twenty years since there's been any new music from the group, but with the re- recent release of their CD called Two Against Nature, the wait is over. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, good morning. It's so uh, nice hi, to hi. see you. How are you? Nice, fine, thanks. Thanks so much for kicking off our concert series. This is a real treat for all of us. A treat for us, too. The question is, what took so long? 20 years? Well, we were just being thorough, you know? <laughs> were you? Yeah, we didn't want to leave any uh, stones uh, unturned, you know? But seriously, what was there something that kept you guys from doing new music? Or were you just busy uh, touring, doing your original stuff? You know, we just thought we wanted to think about it for about 17 years before we actually did it. You know, it's make sure, you know, that it was thorough. Didn't really. want to rush into anything. Yeah. You really made a point of staying consistent with your with your, you know, your original sound in this new CD. Why was that so important for you? Well, uh, it actually just sort of turned out that way. I guess we still like the same things that we liked back then for the same reasons, roughly, and that's what happened. And you didn't try to update it or change it. And I think your fans are very appreciative. I mean, the CD is getting rave reviews from all quarters, yeah. which is really exciting. You're about to head to Japan for a tour, is that right? Yeah, we're going to Japan and we'll head back to the States and uh, Europe in, uh, in the uh, fall. 
Okay, we'll have a great, great tour. And meanwhile, you're going to start this morning with a classic Steely Dan song. That's our plan, yes. Which is? Which is Peg. Peg. All right, Steely Dan. They didn't do anything for uh, Everything Must Go. Yeah. Because that album I, got I, a tepid response, I think. I, I feel like that did not get I the reaction. It, I, I, I really like it. I, I, yeah. I think there, I think there's... Um, people say it opens with Last Mall. Like, you know, if you think of Royal Scam, it opened with Kid Charlemagne. It was kind of, man, they're 55, dude. What do you expect? You know, yeah. like... You know, like 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 that album. I, I was working in a shop, so I just had it on repeat. And just like all Steely Dan albums, it kind of sounded kind of empty upon first listen. And then as it repeated, it, you know, it, all, all the layers started to sort of appear and kind of, and, and uh, you know, and. Um, I think Green Book is the song Green Book on the album is among one of their, you know, that that oh, yeah. that, that could be on Asia, I think. And I yeah. think almost gothic from um Two Against Nature. Sounds like they wrote that for Katie Lyde. Hmm. When she speaks, it's like the slickest song I've ever Do you, do you know I was in a band called Samuel Purdy? If you heard of them, that's your band, right? Yeah, yeah, old band. When I when I was twenty, yeah, yeah I was 25. just looking it up before talking to you. Luckily, due to due to yacht rock, um, that album's kind of seen a new lease of life because it came out in ninety five. We were recording it. We recorded it for Sony, and we had a couple of singles out, and they dropped us. But we did really, really good business in Japan, and it wasn't until Yacht Rock that it got its worldwide release because suddenly it was just like, "Oh, we're still on the master tapes." Remember that band? It sounded a little bit like Doobie Steely Dan. Yeah, because the term yacht rock literally didn't exist when that album came no, out. Right? No, no, yeah. no, There's a there's a yacht there's a yacht rock um like that. There's some yacht rock that sort of fans of mine uh, that are kind of like you know you you like preempted yacht rock. You know, it, it was just like no, we didn't. You know, but I did an interview with those two guys. And uh, that they were just the same as you or I in the fact that they used to rummage through the bargain bins in record stores and think, oh, fuck, Larry Carton, Ralph McDonald, oh, <laughs> Sid, you know, you, you know, looking at all the musicians, oh, I'll give it a go, it's only a dollar. 
you know, and uh, and you bump into all these albums that, that are now considered like yacht rock classics. There was that period in the 90s where that music was very unfashionable. So if you were still, and this was also before the vinyl. This is when my album came out. Yeah, this was before the <laughs> vinyl revival, though. So you could get, you know, Doobie Brothers, Minute by Minute, uh, Asia, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Wonder. You could get these records for a dollar or two. I mean, it was you know, they were giving them away practically. And now they're worth, you know, way more than that. I'm um, blessed enough to have all, like, I've got sealed copies of Asia. I've got, you know, Stevie Dom things about that. Every time I go to the States, well, not so much now, but before the vinyl resurgence, um, I, I I bought you know I had ever you know original uh, or promo copy and stuff, <clears throat> and it's good because I've got five six thousand albums something like that that you know I can give them to my son and they'd be worth when I pop off they'd be worth a hell of a lot of money. But you're right, there was that point where you couldn't give away a copy of Thriller. <laughs> you couldn't give it away. Yeah, it's just like why would I want that? It's it's the, it's the biggest album in the world. Why would I want it now? Villa sells for like twenty pounds in England. Yeah, yeah I have a copy. Yeah, I, I started collecting that. vinyl just before the resurgence, so I got a lot of these seminal seventies albums for a few bucks. And thank God I did because I don't even know if I would be collecting vinyl if I started now. I, I it's think it's it. gonna. I I, yeah. I I went into a store, uh, a vinyl store. And I was looking at the albums and I was looking at, I think it was, it was a Stevie album, Songs in the Key of Life, Inner Visions or something. Yeah. And I was looking and it, and it was, you know, I was looking at the mastering facility and it, and, and then I looked at a Gil Scott Heron album and it said mastered from the original tapes. So I thought, what they're fucking mastering albums, not even from the original fucking tape. So essentially, they're just putting a CD on vinyl, yeah. you know. So basically, if it hasn't got mastered from the original tapes, it's just a CD cut onto vinyl. So they're really ripping people off really badly because they all look so good now because yeah. they're you know thick and you know people just say, oh, that vinyl's so thick, you know, it doesn't make it sound any good, you know. <laughs> Because I, do you know my solo thing I put out, Powder Blue Tux? Have you heard any of that? Yeah, I listened to um, Hawaii. Yeah, the one with the Kamakiri font <laughs> on the cover. Yeah, well spotted. I picked up that reference, yeah.
I think Spotify kind of I'm not a bitter I'm not bitter about it, but Spotify kind of killed music. It did, you know. Yeah. Because like my son, for instance, he you know, he doesn't own anything. Everything's just shared. Or if he likes something, he listens to it on Spotify. So he's he's never bought an MP3 in his life, you know. <laughs> yeah. And 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 it's, and I think Irvin Azoff did a good thing. He kind of put YouTube. He he was suing him for three billion or something ridiculous, saying either the artist gets money every time their songs stream, or I'm going to shut you down. Mm. And he won. But still, when I receive my uh, PRS checks. It will be still for radio play. It's really healthy, you know. It's really good for 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 radio play. But then you look on the streaming services, you get like five cents, maybe <laughs> yeah. each time it's streamed or less. Yeah, it's a joke. You know, it's it's really it's really so. I I, I just even though I put my stuff on it to yeah. get it out. I um it, it only exists on a really archaic rule, doesn't it? It really it only exists on a on something in the law that existed way before the internet. So it's only just hanging by a thread on a clause which some music lawyer's gonna come along. Hopefully. And, and because I think I I I'm fine because you know, I, 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 I've, I, I've figured out a, a way to make a living being a musician and make it survivable. <clears throat> but my son and my son's friends and stuff who want to be musicians, you know, although I'm pleased for them, it's kind of like it was hard enough when I was young, when, when Sony gave us £300,000 to record the album, but nowadays, you'd never get a three hundred thousand pound budget. Never. Donald Fagan wouldn't get three hundred. Yeah. Well, things kind of peaked around the release of Two Against Nature. That that was the peak of the the CD boom. That, that, and the... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's been all because, downhill since then. Like three years later, you know, it didn't. Yeah. yeah, that's the only album that hasn't even gone gold. Yeah. Um. Just shifting gears a little bit, do you are you aware that there's kind of been a, a Steely Dan renaissance, a revival in recent years? I mean, are you? Uh, yeah, well, I've I, I saw <laughs> online about you know millennials. Uh, you know, there was a you know uh, there's a big thing about dirty work or something because it was on a trailer to to Suicide Squad or whatever it's called. Yeah. And 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 I read a couple of things about, but I don't know how because people, I think that they've always been big. I, I don't think there's been a sudden surge in sales. Okay. I think people. I think it's just. Um, I think partly it's due to the fact that it's perceived to be okay to say they're really good now. 
and um and i think young people have always been into steely dan when i was at school i had friends that are into steely dan you yeah know, but this is now 50 years on and and people are more into steely dan than they are other bands that were maybe more popular than steely dan from that time so you know what's kind of happened well, is well, for whatever well, reason I I I have I I know that Donald Fagan said he's not sure why his only guess <laughs> is that they may have heard it subconsciously for their parents or grandparents so therefore there's a womb cozy feeling when they hear Steely Dan so that they may so, have heard but they may have heard the Eagles too and there's not this kind of surge in interest in the eagle yeah but that's because the eagles are so boring okay but i'm just saying there is there's a specific thing that's happening where millennials and gen yeah, z I, are into steely dan in a way that other seven and i think fleetwood mac too there's a couple bands oh, fleetwood that, mac. I, 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 uh, tusk i really love tusk tusk is amazing I, tusk is their with, best album yeah yeah by far room is for tusk. me the road two middle of the road my mum yeah. had it used to my head in empty uh but but yeah if there is such a yeah. thing I, I i think it's just because they're fucking great <laughs> you know and and um and because there were those reaction videos you, you know like there's too many of them now there's a million of them yeah there's a couple of guys like they were listening to peg the two college students and they're like you know and then when the guitar when jay graden's guitar solo <laughs> I know that. Like, they didn't know what to say yeah, you know it's so like, good because it's just fucking uh, I, I, Jay played um, the solo on Container Zero, that Powder Blue Tuck song. Yeah. And um, Dean Parks had to play it. Steely Dan were doing some music convention and Dean Parks, they were doing two songs. One of them was Peg. So Jay Graydon uh, taught him how to play Peg. And, and while he was teaching him, Dean Parks said, what the but possess you to play this <laughs> because it is just such an amazing and not amazing in the reeling in the like reeling in the ears is a great solo but it's a rock solo yeah. and then you know and it's and there's you know lots of licks, licks and, yeah. it, and it you know but when it when it comes to you know it's it's not a a kid charlemagne or like or a peg solo you know where it's just like mind-blowing you know like genre yeah. defining yeah here's here's a thought i think you have maybe had a small piece of this steely dan renaissance and here's why i think How? <laughs> and again i could be way off base but i think your high resolution photos of donald and walter i think they kind of made them look cool in a specific way not cool in the way that we usually think of kind of rock stars from like that era they, but i think they, they're geeks with shades aren't they they're geeks with we... shades but i think a lot of younger people maybe saw themselves or they saw something relatable about these two guys 
And that's what, were a lot that's what Ben Fold said about yeah. uh, Stevie Dan, that when he was young, first thing he heard was pretzel logic, and he looked at the picture and he thought, they're geeks with shades. I get it. I'm a geek too. Exactly. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so, so, I, so, so the pictures made them look like these so couple when, of... Yeah, so when you put them out on Twitter and everyone saw these, and then all these young people are hanging out at home during the pandemic... You know, they weren't living the rock style lifestyle, you know, so maybe they saw these pictures and they thought, you know, that's me and my friends, you know, that's me and my buddy hanging out because they look just like regular guys, you know, they're out. You never see them, you know, at the the Troubadour or these places, you never see them out with, you know, hobnobbing with Fleetwood Mac. And no, the they, they went it's always just the two of them. It's always just Donald and Walter looking kind of like weird and antisocial. But I think people saw themselves and they thought these guys are my avatars. These guys are my heroes. And I think that is actually, so I'm giving you credit. I think a piece of this steel. I'll take any. Sauce, I'll I think I'll you take get it. Because there, were, there were, there were some pictures of them, but there's, you've really like kind of unleashed the vault every day. I'm still seeing probably, pictures I've that still, are new. I've, still, I've probably got about 20,000. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, so I'm still thinking. I'm still finding <laughs> odd, um, odd pictures. I was actually photoshopping something this morning. Yeah, well, they, they, they're treasurable to me, and especially like some of these deeper cuts, like the one of Donald and Walter uh, at the Brill Building in 1968, is just like, you know, that's a treasure to me. Any of the 60s Donald and Walter, because and it's also that you take the the care in terms of the Photoshop or you know however you bring them on. Because they, they look crisp, they look new, they look fresh, and you can really see what they look like. When I was there, it was when Giuliani had just started the mm. cleanup. So Times Square still had that sleep, like Show World was still there. Yeah, 8th Avenue was still what it was back in the day, I think, in yeah, the 90s. Because I grew up in New Jersey, so I was, as a kid, I would occasionally be in the city and I knew what that looked like. Um, mm. So, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Just, just the thing because I used to watch the Equalizer and Kojak a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, but now it's really like that, that area's really lost it. Now it has literally been Disney-fied, isn't it's, it? It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I get uh, yeah, it's just, there's no character to it anymore. It's just a big tourist kind of play playland. Um, I did want to ask, uh, I assume you were already a Steely Dan fan before you lived in New York. Did actually living here, kind of change how you heard them or change your relationship with the band in any way? Um, I've been a Steve Dan fan since uh, my dad went to a party and heard Can't Buy a Thrill, he's a guitarist, and heard Can't Buy a Thrill, which had been just released on import, and came back from the party and said to my mum, you know, my dad was a Jeff Beck 
Eric Clapton fan. He didn't know Skunk, Denny, and uh, and um, Elliot Randall were. And he said, I just heard this fucking album by these LA guys. And the guitar solos were fucking incredible. And my mum went to the... Uh, Brighton had the first ever Virgin store. Richard Branson opened it in Brighton. It was, I remember it, it was a really tiny place. It had cushions where the kids would sit, where, the, where people would look through the vinyl. And my mum bought Can't Buy Thrill on import for my, my dad. So I've been listening. To, so by the, so I actually got Gaucho. How old yep. would I have been? Uh, I was born in 71. So in 80, I would have been. I'm terrible at maths. No. How old would I? No, I got it for my birthday. Oh, wow. So you really go back. Yeah, it was was my mum's friend, Jones. That sadly just passed away. I remember saying to my mum, what's uh, Auntie Joan got me this year? And she said, you're too old for me to tell you what presents you've got. It's something you haven't got and something that you're going to like. And I remember opening it and it's like, mum said, yes, the new album, it's just come out. I was just like, whoa. So I I was, I was, I was, I was lucky enough that my parents had a really cool record collection. So I was listening to um, Stanley Clark, Billy Cobham, Weather Report, Earth, Wind and Fire, George Benson, Roofs and Shaka Khan, Hall and Oates, Steely Dan, that, you know, it's had Stevie, just so much cool stuff. And that's the same musical universe that you share on your Twitter account. So is it out of nostalgia to an extent that you're doing this uh, account? It was just, it's just my dad was a musician. Yeah. And I'm a music lover. So I think the only thing I didn't like in their collection is Blood on the Tracks, Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah? I I just... didn't like his voice. I thought, as a five-year-old, this dude <laughs> can sing, take it off. And Kate and Anna McGarrigal, the French-Canadian duo, do you know them? Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah, a lot of friends I, who are huge music nerds, so I know all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't like them, but everything yeah. else I put on, I love. those are the only two things, you know. Okay. Tom Scott and the LA Express, um how about Joni? Oh, of course. I I yeah. got into Joni a little later. It was when yeah. I was probably 16 going through my first breakout, my first kind of serious, serious. I thought it was re- I thought it was really serious at the time. Looking <laughs> back, went out for about six months. Oh yeah. But I uh happen- I-, I put on Court and Spark. And... That's where Joni kind of starts for me in terms of the albums that I go back to is Court and Spark. Yeah, well, that, was a, that, that, was, that was her yeah. first kind of three minute 30 pop songs, you know, right. and, and songs like People's Parties, you know, the lyrics are just so good. Just and, th- and then I got so favorite Joni album. It's so like Steely. It's so close between Asia and Gaucho. It's either Hissing of Summer Lawns or Court and Spark. Yeah. Because the I, I like I like um the some of the early stuff, but 
Um, I prefer it when she had a band behind her, when she had Tom from the LA Express, you know, behind her, especially, you know, like Miles of Isles, the live album, you know, I, I thought, I thought it just made more sense to me. But then, you know, she's she's just so insanely gifted. That's you know? crazy. Like she's yeah. someone, my girlfriend's fanatical. I bought a signed Joni album, cost fucking great deal of money. <laughs> I did. Um, have you seen those places on eBay? Oh yeah. Where they've got every member of the Beatles yeah. or every member of the rolling stones you know what 150 bucks what a bargain yeah i know i know also uh what about todd todd rundgren uh yeah yeah i love todd yeah 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 because you post a lot of todd photos that are new to me and i as a big todd fan i like there was this one where he's wearing like these goggles i I, I, I think i think his career is a bit patchy okay because he's very experimental Mm. But, uh, you know, something, anything. Any, something, anything? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, something, anything. Of course, 1972. Um, you know, that is obviously the album that everyone's got. And that's the one that my parents had, you mm-hmm. know. Right, because it so, has Hello, It's Me. It has the hits. I saw the light. One. And then I went... Then I went later on through his career, and some I can take or leave, and some I really like. But he's certainly a consummate, you know. Yeah, and he's friends with Donald Fagan. I know that they actually yeah, they that 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 uh, guy with the tin foil hat. Yeah, didn't they? it's the yeah. anti-Trump song, and I I believe they're friends in real life as well. But that's you know from what I've read. John McEnroe as well, isn't he? Oh, Donald Fagan and John McEnroe are friends? Yeah, yeah. John McEnroe had his wedding. I read John McEnroe's bio, biography years oh, ago. And he <laughs> had his wedding with uh, Tatum O'Neill at Donald Fagan's house. <laughs> well, they're both kind of curmudgeonly in their own way, so I can see how they would uh, be friends yeah. in real life. Um, yeah, I, I've never met... I've never met... Uh, Donald, there was one moment where I could have, <laughs> and I, as we say in England, I bottled out. Yeah, because um, I, I thought if he's horrible to me, it's going to destroy. Him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>